Five, four, three, two, one. We're in the pipe. Five by five. This is the Five on Film podcast. Hello and welcome to Five on Film, the podcast where we try and break down the top five in the world of film. I'm your host, Paul, and joining me this week are John. Your mother sucks cockles in hull. Tony. I need an old priest and a young priest. <laughs> Let's get down to that cellar and carve us up some grandma. Oh no, carve us up some witch. Sorry, wrong one. <laughs> Chris couldn't make it, so we got another Chris. Um, Chris is joining us on this pod. Hello, Chris. Hello. I, uh, I haven't got a witty intro, I'm afraid. I'm quite good because I introduce everybody, so I never have to think of a witty intro. This week, uh, we are going to try and break down the top five demonic possession-based movies. These are movies where somebody or something in the uh, film is possessed by a demon of some sort. Um, so that's basically uh, ties in with um, The Exorcist and the fact that we have a new Exorcist movie coming out in theatres. And it's spooky season, Halloween coming up. We thought we'd tackle something horror-based. We've all gone our separate ways. We've created top five, personal top five lists. We've put them back together. And we've created the show's top five. We're going to start at number five for this week. The fifth best demonic possession movie. It's our guest, Chris House. Take us through it. Well, I'm surprised that it's fifth. I ranked it a lot higher. But, so, yeah. um... <laughs> The Exorcist 3, uh, this is a film which surprised me a lot watching it again recently. I haven't watched it for a long time. And I think that it's a series that myself, and I think a lot of people would have been quite surprised there was even a sequel to, let alone a trilogy for. Uh, and yet you should prepare to be surprised because despite the fact that the sequel is a very bad movie, Will and Peter Blatty has returned to direct the uh third movie in the series and it does a fantastic job he's really managed to rekindle the tension and and, and 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 horror aspects of the original we take place some something like 15 years in the future from the first film there's been an outbreak of very brutal murders and a police detective played by is it george c scott he's investigating these murders it leads him to a hospital where a lot of murders continue to occur and inside the sort of high intensity mental institute part of the hospital there is a prisoner who turns out to be someone that's a bit of a surprise i want to give that away but it rekindles elements of the first movie the demonic possession aspect of the exorcist is is, is brought back both through the characters themselves but also through the way that the presentation of the demonic forces and evil was presented in the first film, it really has that same stylistic edge and it succeeds in being, frankly, quite terrifying in the way that it presents a very brutalist approach to... Where is it ever decided whether it's not actually the devil himself, but certainly a satanic force, which I think was what made the original Exorcist film so powerful is perhaps the juxtaposition of having this young, innocent girl with such a horrendously vicious and, and brutal uh, spirit possessing her. Now, in this film, it's not a young girl. I think that's, that's the only thing I'd say. Nonetheless, the character that does turn out to be possessed is still quite equally uh, shocking. It's a, it's a real nice plot twist. I was quite surprised to see it. And it stands up very well to death. It's not as bloody on screen as a, as a modern horror film, but it doesn't hold back the details of murder set pieces that occur in the film. It loves to lavish in the brutality of every murder that's occurred. It just doesn't show you it. And perhaps that actually makes it a little bit more horrific in some ways. And just good performances all around, really. Uh, there well, are some moments in there that, that are perhaps don't stand up too well today. Some overacting at times. But overall, performances stand up well. A good creepy horror film. Uh, good effects. And if you like the first film, I would definitely recommend avoiding the second and watching this one. The Exodus 3 there. Chris, you might be shocked. It only made one other person's list. And that other person is John. Chris, you had this at number two. And John had this uh, is number four. So, John? My four and five are really there due to 
how long ago I'd seen them, but the fact that they made my list is tantamount to what I remember of them. The Exorcist 3 is actually the subtle film that the first Exorcist isn't. The first Exorcist is definitely one room, one girl, two priests and a mother. Whereas this one, it, it just changes the whole thing up into a murder mystery with um, demonic o- overtones. I am a bit of a scaredy cat at times, but it's actually the stress of one particular scene. People have tried to duplicate it since. It's a nurse in a corridor with a locked off camera. It, it's interminably long and it just keeps going and it just ratchets up the tension so much. I do like the fact that it's takes a different tack. A lot of the films that were on the lists for what we've seen are young girls being possessed by demons. This was very this was different. Tried something new and a new way in. Matt, it didn't make your list. Are you a fan of The Exorcist 3? I'm a fan of The Exorcist. I'm not so sure about The Exorcist 3. I saw it a long, long time ago. Um, and since then, apparently, uh, a company in America called, called Shout Factory have released um, a, a full-on director's cut of this. Um, am, am I wrong in saying it's William Peter Black? He's dead now. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. He must um, from what I remember of it, I, I, I did I did enjoy it. I, I just don't know whether I enjoyed the, the Prisoner X, the the twist that that was something that was dropped in there. I don't, as, as Chris said, I don't want to give anything away. There is, you know, a couple of major twists in there, um, which I thought was quite good. It was an absolute shit ton better than, than The Exorcist 2. I just didn't have time. I wanted to search out the director's cut. Just by a quick search in the internet, you'll find that they, they have done that and there's extra stuff in there. I might appreciate it uh, a little bit more. I don't know. I saw it a little bit too young and um, having seen The Exorcist quite late, only when they really released it, re-released it in the cinema in the late 90s um, after the uh, the, uh, the classification board. Yeah. Finally, finally allowed it to be released on cut. Uh, that was the only, the, the first time that I ever got to experience it. Yeah, it was the first time I saw it as well. Yeah. yeah and, and and then I was like, okay, this this is cool. There's, there's, there's more movies. Let's try and search these out. And I got a shitty VHS copy of The Exorcist 3. It's great. I don't know, but it pales in comparison for the f- to, to, to the to the first one for me. And I can imagine it's probably one and two for a few people's list. But it's a good film. It's definitely worth searching out. And I think it's a hell of a lot better than it's made out to be. Tony, Exorcist 3? Yeah, this was toying with my fifth place. I have seen Legion, which is the director's cut with some bad VHS scenes inserted because that's the only way that they existed so they inserted them back into the film for Blatty's cut I think it's a great horror film I think it's probably the only decent Exorcist sequel out there I kind of sometimes feel like it's own film I think as well you can mm. almost watch it without yeah, that's a good point the twist wouldn't work but I feel like it almost could it if you change the twist it could almost exist as its own separate film but it's nice to have like the policeman friend of a priest in the original and carrying that through i also think in many ways this had a lot of studio well i i read that it had a lot of studio interference and um in many ways it reminds me a little bit of alien 3 i, I was that's... gonna say the same thing man absolutely yeah, I, I don't love alien 3 <laughs> i i prefer no, no. i prefer exorcist 3 uh by some way but I feel like they're um, they're bedfellows. Recommended. I'd recommend the Legion cut if you can get your hands on. So th- this is one of the movies that unfortunately I did not have the opportunity to see, and I would like to see it. Um, uh, I feel like uh, you have sold me on it. Um, I've been watching a lot of demonic possession movies in the lead up to this podcast, and unfortunately, this three was one that just didn't make it, um, and it appears that it should have done. So um, we can rent it on Apple or on Sky. So that's what I'm going to have to do. And uh, anybody else out there um, in this season who hasn't seen Exodus 3, check it out. It's our number five film. So we roll on to my number four. This movie made it on to just two people's lists. We're going to John for our number four movie. The number four film is Sinister uh, from 2012. An early Scott Derrickson directed film. He went on to do lots more with Blumhouse, um, but also he did um, he did the first Doctor Strange film. It's a nice tight little film. It stars Ethan Hawke, who is a struggling crime writer who takes his family to a house where numerous families have been um, slaughtered. And he starts to research into all of this, asking around at the sheriff's office and trying to get the police reports and things like that. He starts seeing a mysterious figure outside the house. 
and daughter starts to draw uh, weird pictures. He hears noises in the loft, so he goes and finds a Super 8 8 millimeter family movies. And as he starts watching through them, he starts seeing that there's shots of the families and then a horrific murder of that family. Um, and there's about four or five different families in the past. And, they re and um, there's this recurring image that and, um, it turns out I share the, uh, my surname um, pretty much with the demon of uh, Boogie. <laughs> and um, you're not telling us, John. <laughs> mate, you know, without spoiling it all, it comes to an interesting end. This is a film that li lives in the creeps. It, it doesn't really give up. There is no shining light in this one. It's done in such a well-done way. It's really nicely controlled tension. It's um, really tightly wound. Not being a fan of the genre, um, I still really like it. And I think... That's partly down to the performances in it. Um, there's an awful lot of um, faces in it, like Fred Dalton. But really, it's it, it's all it's all about the shadows. It's all about the people in the background, and um, that freaks me out more than anything else. This was John's number one movie in this category, which is made it onto number four. Um, Chris, it appeared on your list at number four as well. What can you add on Sinister? Uh, Sinister is the one that I watched recently. I hadn't seen it before. It was uh, the recommendation of my wife when we were sitting down to watch a jolly evening film. I was on to know the list of demonic horror to, to work through and she said, oh, Sinister's quite good. Uh, and I said, well, have you seen it? She said, yeah, I don't really remember anything about it, but let's watch it. And then it opens to the very first scene of an entire family being hung from a tree in um, in uh, uh, silence because everything's shot in super eight, so there's no audio. And I was like, "Oh, this is this is going to be jolly." Then, and, yeah, as John said, that kind <laughs> of continues throughout the film. I think there's five or six um, entire families being murdered in in. I think for me, what 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 made the film uh, stick out against a lot of other films of the same milk, as John said, I think <clears throat> the story of a family moving to a new house that's essentially haunted and seeing their family terrorized is a story we've seen a million times before and generally it comes from the same kind of category of films where aren't particularly well acted uh have a rather boring subcast of family members is mostly focused around the, the the male lead and his um journey into darkness uh or or, or or saving his family from darkness and a lot of people that are there just to be slaughtered apart from the fact that ethan hawke is a good actor anyway there's a good dynamic that appears with the family along with his relationship, his reasons for being there, how he's driving them crazy with his obsession to get his books out because he basically studies murders. Um, so I think that's a really interesting story on its own. And then you add on to that, what well, frankly I consider to be some of the most harrowing things I've seen in a little while. Being a family man myself now, I just found it very difficult to watch these scenes that basically depict final parts of the murder of a family um and the way that the super 8 film kind of presents it in that sort of silent and they i think they run this kind of very eerie soundtrack over each one of these murders um just to kind of mess with you even more every time you're watching it it is hard watching it's not quite as brutal as some of the you know brutalist films that you've seen from french cinema and japan you know in the extreme cinema it's certainly pushing hollywood to its limit i'd say well so for, on, on that alone i think it impressed me enough and i also think that the demonic entity in this movie is quite creepy I like the way that it's not really shown too often. It's kind of always in the shadows, as John said, which which definitely keeps it more scary, I think. So of those genre of films, the new family moving to a new house and being terrorised, of which there are a lot, I think this is the best. John, did you want to add something there? Two things. One, uh, apparently the writer, uh, this was a fever dream after watching Ring about a spirit in a videotape. Also, although there you see you kind of see the aftermaths and the murders, I seem to believe there aren't actually any contemporary murders in the actual thing. It's all suggestion on the, on the Super 8. So it's one of those movies where it doesn't revel in its own blood. Tony, didn't make your list that you're a fan of Sinister? I... Um, used Super 8 in my uh, the film that I directed in my final year film at university. So I've always had an affinity for Super 8 film. And I uh, remember going to see J.J. Abrams' Super 8 being thoroughly disappointed. Saw this and was intrigued and then um, felt the trailer was better than the film. So creepy bits in it, but I couldn't really take it seriously after Michael Jackson uh, is hauling the families and killing them. I'll see if you more kiss myself, but there you go. <laughs> 
it looks like, you know, late 90s Michael Jackson. Some people would argue that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I was I was hoping for a, a lot more. Maybe I need to watch it again, but it just didn't do it for me. And I just couldn't quite take Bugle, Bugle, seriously. Matt, have you uh, seen Sinister? Yes. I have seen Sinister and uh, I like it very much. Uh, this would have popped in probably sort of like the uh, eights or nines with me. Um, I, I find it extraordinarily creepy. I think Blumhouse Productions have made two or three really, really good films and this being one of them. Uh, I wish they made a sequel, to be honest. You know, uh, not a lot of films can make you say that where you think, do you know what? I would like to have seen another one. Um, I think they did one, right? It was terrible. They, they have done one. They did yeah, a Sinister two. No, I didn't know. Don't watch it. It's terrible. Oh god! Okay, so they, they fell foul to the most cry, the the hideous crime of sequels idea. Oh, that was terrible. But un unlike Tony, I actually found it very very creepy. I thought that thought the the actual demon was pretty creepy, and it's got a pretty horrific twist. When you know when you come down to it, and you find out exactly what's been going on. I want to say why that upsets me, but it does upset that does upset me as a man of a certain age and um, and situation, and I, I find that difficult to take because it's 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 the most vulnerable that come across as always is in those sort of possession movies um and you know they are possessions it's this demon although we're not we're not introduced are we i can't remember are we you know we're told the name is it, are we are we from what i can remember he he starts to research the he history has a kind of jack black style uh university professor he looks a bit like jack black he comes on and explains pay right he sees some signs in the videos and tells him what they really yeah are. yeah I I, did, I remember that I remember the swimming pool scene where where he zoomed in on and was it did he put the did he put the Super Eight into his computer and, and like zoom yeah. in on a certain yeah. image well the, the Hollywood in and then yeah the Hollywood in had everything yeah. super 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 resolution it's nice yeah. and nice yeah. and like high when you zoom in I thought it was really really good I enjoyed it a lot and I would recommend it to anybody who asked that if they wanted a, a decent modern horror film and there you go that, that's a good one it made it at number four and uh, this is one of the other ones that I didn't manage to get to watch it's downloaded on my iPad front of me and uh i had two that i was like oh, i'm gonna watch one of these try and watch them both and i could only manage to watch one of them which will please matt but won't please chris and john because this was on <laughs> i know the other one you mean as well and i yeah. didn't spot on the other one so I, I managed to watch one of them um which didn't make our list unfortunately matt but um sinister made it on at number four and uh i've got it down with it still and i will check it out um it's on sky and on netflix so um if you fancy sinister more modern horror movie then uh uh, check that one out. We're on to our third film for this week. Number three on Demonic Possession. And we're going to Matt. Uh, Matt. Do, do. <laughs> uh, so what is number three, Matt? I've gone for a, for a Stone Cold classic. This is uh, another 80s banger. I like the entire series of films that have been made from, from the early 80s all the way through until this year with Evil Dead Rise. But I like Evil Dead 2 a lot. Um, I think it has a place high on uh, everyone's list when it comes to a horror film that you should watch. It is a not necessarily a remake of the original film, which was a 1981 Evil Dead, Sam Raimi, same director. Now, I haven't done enough research to find out why he made The Evil Dead 2 and he didn't remake the evil dead because that wasn't remade until 2013 the evil dead 2 is is more of a, a like a retcon he's gone back and he's changed a lot of stuff but he's kept a lot of stuff he's taken the character of ash i put them both together i think the evil dead and the evil dead 2 are a perfect match and you should watch them back to back i really do i think they are totally different films i watched them on the same day this week for the very first time did you right okay because <laughs> yes. there's a lot going on there's a lot going on with it and and the, the way I view it is, is that um, The Evil Dead 1981 is a very much a, we've got some money, uh, an up and coming movie maker, I want to make a horror film. Uh, we're coming out of the 70s, we're coming out of that. I mean, Chris would know a lot about this, the the early pre-cert era with horror, horror movies. And there is there's quite a lot going on in The Evil Dead that isn't in The Evil Dead 2. And it is more of a horror film than The Evil Dead 2. But The Evil Dead 2, for me, is, is, is the one I've chosen. You know, if you look at it, uh, where one was a gory horror film and the second one was a gory comedic horror film. They're both very similar, but they're both very different. Um, the money was was higher. The 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 lighting was better. The makeup was better. The cinematography was better. They had better lenses. And they had more time to spend. The, the stop motion animation in the second one, because there is quite a lot of it, is particularly good, uh, which stands up quite well today, especially if you see the remastered version. I like both of them. I think they both got qualities that are worth watching. Horror purists, I think they're like the Evil Dead. I think for the general mainstream, people prefer the Evil Dead too. If one 
Warner Brothers Looney Tunes was to make a horror movie, I think they would make The Evil Dead 2. It's funny in bits, it's uh, gruesome in bits. The story is pretty much the same. In The Evil Dead 1, you've got a group of teenagers, college students who go to a cabin in the woods. They discover a tape recorder and a book made out of human skin. And the tape recorder said, we've discovered this book. It's from the Sumerian era. 3,000 years old and it is to resurrect the evil spirits of the dead and it's called the Necronomicon. In the sequel the same thing happens but it's just one of the characters from the first film, Ash. He's played by Bruce Campbell and this was made six years after so it's 1987 now the Evil Dead 2 was made. But the core story is pretty much the same but it's funnier, it's more approachable, I think more approachable, but has just as gruesome aspect to it, but it's a, it's a little bit more endurable. And Sam Raimi is all over both films. He, you know, you get all those those qualities that he puts to every film that he's done, since so Dark Man to Spider-Man, Drag Me to Hell, all those kind of close-up point of views. You've got the demon cam, is fantastic in both films. And it's even better in the second film because it adds even more of a sound audio aspect to it. The wailing behind it. Chris will probably be able to expand a little bit more on this. But the pre the, the first movie was, I think, was 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 banned in the UK because of the the the, the woods rape scene or the sexual assault by the by the trees by the woods. Is is that right? Yeah. Well, it was actually the film that succeeded in avoiding prosecution. It, uh, the the distributors of Palace Video actually went to court to defend the movie and they won they were the only film of the 39 that were six well that were attempted to be prosecuted under the scene publications act that was successful in um defending their movie and it was then re-released uh, gloatingly by palace video with the sticker evil dead's back not guilty so <laughs> yeah. and was that uncut still was that it was not uncut, uncut yeah, they released it uncut and they then re-released it uncut <clears throat> And it was right. it was originally released in the cinema uncut by the BBFC anyway. That's so how ridiculous the whole thing was. Uh, wow. A lot of these companies simply released the cinema certificate versions anyway. Still found themselves yeah. in court. I mean, I mean, The Evil Dead 1 is, is a great movie. I, I think it's dated a little bit more than The Evil Dead 2, purely down to the fact that it, the, the financial side of the uh, the budget. But it's still a pretty horrific movie. Um, and if you want to be scared, I think the second, the first one is a lot more scary than the second one. But again, again I, just, I just love it. I love the fact that he's taken the same movie and made two different versions of that movie. And they're both equally as good. Um, I think that's quite remarkable, to be honest, especially like focusing on on Bruce Campbell as well, thinking, do you know what, you know, the, the second movie is slightly different. There's, there's no group of teenagers. It's just Bruce Campbell, his girlfriend. Um, they turn up at this and there's no there's no introduction. They turn up at this cabin. It's literally in the first five minutes and boom, they're into it and shit is happening. Um, but the, the same plot is the same. The Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead, the tape recorder is still the same. But we're introduced to a little bit more of a backstory. The historical archaeologist. Yeah, yeah. The, the professor. And um, and you've got the, the, the great ending at the end of uh, Evil Dead 2. And they couldn't, they didn't need to make a third film. I think it ended perfectly well. I think that was a great ending. Um, but they did make a sequel. Um, I, I think it's a fantastic movie. Eminently rewatchable. Yeah, it was Matt's number two. It was somebody else's number two. And it was the only other list that he appeared on um, of the five of us. So, Tony. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love Evil Dead 2. Um, I, I broke my rule here because I normally, um, even if I prefer a sequel, I would normally put the original on the list just because it started everything. But I, as I felt, Evil Dead 2 is kind of a quasi-remake of Evil Dead. I was like, it has to go on because when I first watched it, it had me fearful, scared, and in tears of laughter. It is a look, uh, yeah, if Evil Dead 1 is a, like a Lovecraft nightmare, then Evil Dead 2 is a Lovecraft nightmare uh, doing stand-up. The scene with the possessed hand just has me rolling around <laughs> in tears all the time. Bruce Cavill's amazing. I think highly underrated actor. Like, it's a horror film and it is nasty, but I think the, the, the humour takes the edges off it slightly compared to the first one. The first one's a great horror film, but I can see why it may have upset some people. <laughs> Where this one just, you know, kind of blunts the corners slightly with humour, and I think that's why maybe it's more palatable. From my understanding, Raby wanted to make remake it with a bigger budget and try to get it made, but it was Stephen King that convinced the producer to get it made so without stephen king there would be no evil dead 2 well this was monica by was it dead by dawn because they they the, yes. uh, the the uh, the demon mother comes up through the uh through the uh, the um the basement 
uh, uh, floor, and she's like, "Yeah, dead by door, dead by door, dead by door, dead by door." And that's what I love about. It. I love the fact that it just doesn't take itself too seriously. And I think that for me, although I'm a fan of horror, I know that John isn't necessarily a fan of horror. No, this Paul, I am a fan of horror, but um, you know, I like a little bit of lightheartedness as well. And and thank God that this has a little bit of lightheartedness because it it's got some pretty. I mean, the rape, the 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 woods rape scene is still in there, but he 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 deliberately stops. He turns it down. He, he turns yeah. it down. Yeah, he turns it down. But he kept yeah, it because that was so iconic. That, I mean, in the first one, I, <laughs> I watched it this week and I was genuinely shocked. I was like, wow. It's harsh, man. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. harsh. Yeah, I was, I was like, did harsh. I just see that? Is yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that kind of was his point, wasn't it? His intention to shock and yeah, Chris. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I, joined, I didn't put it on the list purely because uh, I thought um, a bit like Matt said. I I feel like I would have to include both of them. I also quite like Army of Darkness for other reasons too. Uh, Even, I love Army of Darkness. Yeah, exactly. So. I just kind of wanted to do a different list because I feel like demonic horror is one of the few categories that kind of scares me. With the Evil Dead, I know what you've all been saying, but I love the Evil Dead one, but I, I can still see the comedy in that film quite well. I think the effects of that film, even today, help to lighten it a bit as well. The sort of putty stuff. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of looks so hammy it's, and uh, the acting so over the top with the possessed demons in the cellar and all that. The tree rape scene is pretty brutal in its concept but i still think in you know in terms of physically how it's depicted it's it's even itself it's kind of a joke in itself right so i think even that film which is by far the most brutal of the three manages to be quite comedic still to me i'll tell you what though i did go to see the remake 2013 that's, that's good i don't know man. i saw this i liked it man. like i liked it but i was like that was when i was like you know what? i'm done with these extreme films i can't <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that film was so hard to sit through it was so brutal it was just, I don't know, I found it too they much. Went, they went for it, didn't they? They went for I it. Liked it. I liked it. It took all the comedy aspect out. We're talking about comedy in this film. Yeah. It's a new one, but no comedy. Yeah, total, a- it was a total remake of the first one, minus the, the hamminess. You know, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, so, anyway, great, 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 trilogy, like, great trilogy of films, uh, and I recommend anyone. And the new one's good. Try to watch the new one. Even Dead Rise. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it, was, it was a cracking, entertaining film. I'll probably handle it on video. I think I'm, I'm just too old to watch extreme horror films in the cinema. Hey, it's not extreme. <laughs> honestly, it's I not I'll make a cup of tea. I need to go make a cup of tea. Honestly, the new one, Evil Dead Rise, there's there's way more comedic aspects than that. E- the Evil Dead remake from 2013 uh, has has nothing to do with anything uh, that they're making now. If they're making more sequels, it's they're definitely adding back in the comedy. I think that's the it's ru- the 2013 ruined it for everyone because it was so brutally gruesome. Yeah. But the TV show is good as well. Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, I've heard. Oh, that's great, yeah. 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 John, um, Evil Dead 2? Groovy. Yes. Um, Groovy. This one's got her- got legs. This has got heritage. I saw Army of Darkness first. Then I saw Evil Dead 2. I haven't seen the original, although its legend precedes it. Having said all that, I, I watched it on Channel Four when they when they sh- when they showed it, and I, I, I quite I quite enjoyed it. I don't know. I think for me it was just that maybe that little little too funny, little too a uh, little too cartoon in its gruesomeness. Having said that, nice idea, nice ideas. Have Joel and Ethan Cohen on your crew uh, in the original uh, Barrow Cam. I watched Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two this week. First time I'd watched either movie ever which has shocked many a person, Chris Murray, before now. I still haven't watched Army of Darkness, and that's only because I decided that I probably should watch some other movies that possibly focused on this genre. I think I will watch Army of Darkness, though, because I did enjoy Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. I'd say it's worth a watch. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is on ITVX, if anybody uh, wants to check out Evil Dead 2. But just be warned, it's an old movie. It's a movie from the 80s, and it's, it is dated, but it's fun. So, yeah. I, uh, when I watched Evil Dead 2, I was like, everybody told me it's just a big budget remake of Evil Dead. And I mean, it's definitely got more money in it, but it didn't feel like it had loads more money in it. And I think I was expecting slightly more. Um, Do you know what? I, th- I thought I think it shows big time, man. Big time. I mean, it's I got a major mega budget. I think it's you know, because... Tony Scott movie, but yeah, it's no, definitely no. Got it's more, got, it's got way It's more. got more budget, but um, I think I, I possibly, in my brain, just felt like it was going to have more than it did, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, yeah it, it, is, it is still a movie that was made in the 80s on Isn't not it? a ridiculous I mean, budget. 
there's, so, there's like there's yeah. like Ray Harryhausen scenes in it from the yes, nineteen Sinbad, and yeah. you know you can you can tell the budget was there, but they got low budget people to do it. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, it didn't make my list, but it was it was in and around close to it. So um, anybody um, who hasn't seen the Evil Dead series, um, yeah, I'd start at number one. I found number world fun, and uh, number two. Probably I enjoyed even more. So that was our number three on this week's list. And there's only me and you, Tony. And it's me doing the second film. Number two on this week's list appeared on, I think, three lists this week. It appeared on mine. It appeared on John. And it appeared on Tony's list. And that is a 2013 movie. And I'm afraid, Chris, it's another one of those haunting house movies. It's The Conjuring. James Wan's The Conjuring. Um, the story of and Lorraine Warren and they are demonologists. Ed Warren is the only demonologist ever recognized by the Catholic Church who wasn't a priest, which is an actual fact. Um, they are based on real people and it's the story of them helping out family of uh, five girls, mum and dad and a dog move into a house in Rhode Island that they bought extremely cheap and they decide that they need, they're down on their luck and they're going to start up life in a new area and they decide that they are going to redo this family house that they've got on the cheap and um, start their new life. On day one, the dog does not want to go into this house. The dog is barking and really not a big fan of the house. And then at 3.07 in the morning, all their clocks stop in their house and everybody finds out the house is a bit nippy and smells a bit funky. And it turns out that this house has demons, ghosts, possessions involved in it. After many a freaky incident of doors moving and people being grabbed and all sorts of stuff like that, they decide that they need some help and they contact the Warren and the Warrens agree to come and help them. It is a movie where a family is possessed. Um, the Warrens let them know that the family is possessed and even if they move, they're not going to get away from this possession. James One moves on from his sore and insidious and moves on to The Conjuring, which I think is probably um, one of his most successful movies. It's tense. It's thrilling. It's set in the 60s. It feels very modern, but even though it's got that period feel, it's freaky. You, you see enough of the demons and the ghosts that you're scared, but not enough that it's overtly horror. I really enjoyed it. I think it's well worth a watch, and it spawned an entire universe of movies that now has over 10 films in it. The Conjuring, it was high on my list. Tony, it was high on your list as well? Uh, yeah, I think James Wan is a great filmmaker. I can see why people employ him. He's cinematically, maybe this is a bit too early, but I do think he's kind of a master already. You know, he can swap genres, but I do feel horror is his home. Almost. Yeah. I mean, I've always been fascinated by the Warrens, so I think that's why it appealed to me and the true stories that they were involved in. Um, I mean, um, lo a much better looking couple than the original. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Vera, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, uh, Ed and the Rain Warren. They play a married couple really well. You know, I, I think the acting's really good in it. It's got yes. lots of great jump out of your seat horror moments. For some reason, I didn't think I would enjoy it, and I really, really enjoyed it. Because it had me on the edge of my seat, and it felt a bit like an old-school horror film from, like, the 70s or 80s in the way it was made. You didn't need a jump scare every 20 seconds. No. And I just think, like, yeah, James Wan's imagery really helped it. But I actually prefer The Conjuring 2. So unlike Evil Dead 2, which is the exception to my role, which proves the rule... This is, I've included Conjuring because it is the beginning of the franchise and none of the others would come if it wasn't for this. One could argue, you know, I've seen Annabelle and that was a bit not so good, but like they've got all these kind of iconic horror imagery that have now gone off into the nun and kept the Conjuring sequels coming. You know, a lot of them are based on urban legends and, and true story. Yeah. See the Annabelle, I mean, that, that doll scares me to death. But if, And you can go and visit it in real life. It doesn't look anything like the doll in the films. Yeah. But it is kept in a glass cabinet at the Warren's old house. You're not supposed to touch it. And bad things happen <laughs> to people that break the rules. Yes, Jesus. And the Amityville Horror was, again, another one of their cases that was obviously yeah. made famous through movies. So, yeah. yeah. Conjuring 2 was the Enfield haunting. So yes. Yeah. So uh, he did a documentary on that in the 70s. Wow. Uh, John, it made it on your list as well, The Conjuring? Yeah, um, basically, um, I remember this from uh, when we did our Haunted House single location one a couple of years ago. 
Um, and it's kind of stayed with me as kind of, as kind of like the better version of the Amityville horror. Um, it is based on that actually. It is based on the actual case um, as the 1970s film with Daddy Brolin and uh, Margot Kidder. I just think that this is a very well made, very slick, very scary. I think this culmination of a lot of those skills being being done in a new way. I like it. Nice. Uh, Chris didn't make your list. Clearly, it's uh, you preferred Sinister, but fan of the country. I haven't seen it. Sorry, um, it's around that time. So it's similar sort of era. You got the Pondering, you got the Babadook, you got Insidious, you've got Sinister. You know, Devil's Candy. It's just like the millions of films about families moving into haunted houses. I just I didn't get around to see it. I can't really judge it. I'm sure it's good. I guess I'll have to watch it. And uh, number two, number two as well, by the sounds of it. Number two, um, it's on Sky to stream. Yes. Uh, Matt, um, Conjuring? Uh, I like The Conjuring. I went to the cinema to see it. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it's It goes down in my estimation the times I watch it since. Um, it's not my favourite James Wan movie. It's not my favourite Blumhouse movie. I don't feel that it has necessarily enough possession elements to it. It's a witch, um, not a demon. Uh, although you could say that a witch could be classed as a demon seeing as they're evil i don't know it's a very good movie it does have its it's fantastic jump scares i i just you know the, the universe they've created around it is just uh, a little bit too much now because every single film they've made around it has been garbage um i did not enjoy the country in two i mean that's based on a true story the enfield ghost didn't like it i thought it was trash uh what's the other one they did the third oh, one that was even worse and then they did uh, the blood devil made me do it. Yeah. Annabelle, yeah. Annabelle, that was another one. That was garbage. Yeah. Annabelle two, it was garbage. Uh, is the nun part of the whole? Yeah, universe? the nun and the nun two. Yeah, yeah. No. Conjuring. If you want to watch a good one, stick in the Conjuring and don't don't follow anymore. Um, it, it's really good. Uh, and I, I think James Wan didn't have anything to do with it in any of the sequels or any of the other universe ones. Uh, he did number um, two. Directed number he did number two. Oh, shame on him. It was awful. Well, it's made it all the way to number two. Number one, it was on everybody's list, as it probably should be. Uh, so we're coming to Tony to lead us off the best demon possession, demonic possession movie, Tony. Well, I think it's entirely obvious, isn't it? It's the Stone Cold classic, The Exorcist. The story of uh, Chris McNeil and her daughter, Reagan, who starts exhibiting strange behaviour after science fails her. She takes, uh, under the suggestion of um, the doctors, to see an exorcist and to discover that she's possessed by a demon called Pazuzu. Although you only find that out in the sequels, not the original. It's in the book. This film is the best exorcism film ever, really. There has never been a better one, I would argue. You know, it's a story of religion versus science, nature versus the supernatural. You could argue, you know, puberty, society's neglect of mental illness. I mean, you can take your pick. <laughs> and it's based partially on true story from 1949 that um, William Peter Blatty read about when he was in college and decided we'd make a great film. Now, the true story is based on a, uh, a young boy who was seemingly possessed by demons and exercised in Missouri. And his name was hidden until after his death. And that came out at the end during COVID, actually. And he was a NASA engineer who um, helped get the Apollo missions to the moon. Blatty wrote the book and then he wrote the screenplay. But I guess um, the other uh, great figure in this film, uh, from a production uh, point of view, is um, William Frederickson. Is that how you pronounce his name? My, 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 my apologies, my pronunciation is terrible. He, he wasn't their first choice. And then after the French connection, Warner Brothers said, you know, they wanted uh, him to do it. Him and Blatty had a uh, friendship, which became a bit uh, frayed during the making of this because Bassi wanted one cut and Friedkin wanted a different cut, which he ultimately got. The director's cut, the extended cut that came out in the 2000s, was more toward the writer's original vision, even though it's not changed that much. It has the infamous spider walk scene in it. The director, I'll call him the director because my pronunciation. You're freaking, yeah. 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 He, uh, call him uh, Billy. Just call him uh, Billy. Billy. <laughs> old, old Bill. Um, was old, a, old Bill. Yeah, he was a uh, somewhat unconventional filmmaker in in that he um, probably wouldn't get away with what he got away with on set, as in he would lie to the cast saying, 
oh, the stuntman isn't going to pull you very hard, and then tells the stuntman to pull the person as hard as possible, which resulted in some injuries of the cast. They had a refrigerated set. Linda Blair, who plays um, the possessed Reagan, um, you know, was in a nightgown, child protection law. She was 12 years old. The story is fantastic, but it's also production-wise, it has a great story. Apparently, there are a lot of unexplained deaths on set, after set, after production. But I think one of the, the greatest things The Exodus does is that it sells the story in a very realistic way. You buy into it. It feels believable. That Okay, there's the head spinning and, you know, the vomiting and other scenes which I won't mention. <laughs> but it's always on the right side of believability. And I think that's to do with the, the performances by the cast. And particularly Linda Blair and um, the lady that um, did the voice of the demon possessing her, which was Mercedes McBridge. It sounds like a man doing the voice, but it wasn't. It was a woman that decided that a diet of egg yolk and whiskey created the uh, gurgling sound of the demonic sound of the voice. During the film, you see um, Reagan kind of disappear and you see evil, basically. And I think that's a, an, one of the most actual amazing transformations in cinema. And people may laugh at it now, but I still think it has a power that many films don't. It has still has the power to shock. Chris, you had this at number one as well. This is the best demonic horror film ever made, I think. One of the first and hasn't been challenged since. I think it's a terrifying film. It's a film I saw in the 90s, uh, pretty early on. Um, I think it was the first, one of the first films that really uh, sort of jarred me. Um, it's quite unlike anything you see today. Dialistically, things have changed over time. With the, the way that movies are structured, you'll never see a film uh, padded like this. Films are just made differently now. It, it, there's far, far, you know, there's no, there are some jump scares, I suppose, in this film. But, you know, what we've come to expect now from a horror film um, has changed so much over time. So it's refreshing to watch a film like this uh, in today's viewing. Um, and, the, and some of the things that occur in it just stand out. I know uh, that was touched on there by Tony. He didn't want to mention a certain scene. I don't want to go into too much detail, but the first time that I saw that scene, I was truly shocked by it. And I think that the way that that scene is presented, it doesn't have any music to accompany it, I don't think. I think it's shot from outside the room as well. And it's a very, it's just a very... Like you were saying, if it feels quite like normal almost, it's 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 hor horrendousness inside this normal setting is what makes that scene as well as lots of other scenes in that movie up until the sort of end of the film when we have the final showdown between good and evil. But pretty much up until that point, a lot of those kind of things that occur in this movie are so out of context with the characters you come to establish this this sweet innocent little girl. I think it's very jarring. It's very well done. I also love the the intro to the film, the kind of weird sort of slightly uh, dreamlike sequences at the beginning where we, uh, where I think it is her father who's an archaeologist discovers no, no, it's him. It's it's the priest. It's him. It's the no, priest, isn't it? It's yes, the priest. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's Father Merrin. Well, uh, yeah, fine. Father Merrin. Then who finds that that statue? And it's not really ever explained. I know they they sort of tried to touch it in 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 the second film. I wish they never did, because I like the fact that it's unexplained. I like the fact that the film has elements to it which don't need to be passed on. It, it it adds to the mystery. Um, so there's lots of elements in it that that I love from that perspective. But purely, as Tony touched on, the depiction of evil is just so well done. I, I mentioned it earlier with Exorcist 3. I, Exorcist 3 was able just to pull on this, same director as well. So, you know, it, it was an easy win for Exorcist 3 because they'd already established how to do it in the first film. Um, but I think they were successful in that film too. The way they were able to depict evil in this movie has never, in my opinion, been done so well since. Um, and so huge credit to that. Uh, huge credit to Linda Blair for a cracking performance. Um, and yeah, I think it's the ultimate good and evil battle film. And I think that uh, it's probably the reason why demonic horror remains something that still scares me today <laughs> a little bit. Indeed. It might probably still so popular as well, I would argue, that it yeah. people's mind. It also has one of the greatest uh, use of flash frames and subliminal messaging <laughs> ever, the, the face of the team. Uh, Matt, number one on your list. I won't say it terrified me. Um, it didn't, but I think the reputation is what terrified me um, before actually seeing. Growing up, knowing about certain films that have been banned in the UK that were playground tilt-out amongst children, amongst kids, about these heinous, hideous films that were portrayed across the British tabloid media as uh, unwatchable by the general public, and these things should never be seen, and therefore they've been banned for years. I mean, you forget that The Exorcist won how many Oscars? 
Like he won two, three Oscars, nominated for at least ten Oscars. Won two Oscars. This was a film that was banned for decades in the UK, and that reputation um, only helped to build its esteem. I think, although I don't think it it stands up quite as well today, I do think this core themes don't diminish. For me, what gets me most, and I I I I, I saw, I think I saw it about eighteen months, two years ago. I didn't rewatch it for this. I've seen it so many times. Is is the great, and that's what really William Friedkin was so good at. He was so good at bringing out natural performances from from his actors he did it in all his films uh, in the french connection he did this you ever get to see the sorcerer which is a remake of uh the wages of fear about a group of down and out americans and uh europeans who end up in south america and they have to transport explosives across to a, a, um, an oil refinery just like no you know you've got one maybe one major actor in that and he just the performances are just like unbelievable so natural and it's the same in this, and and I think it helps with Max von Sydow as well being this kind of along with Alan Burstyn, probably the the main uh, actor in here that you you'd recognise. Um, and you barely even see Lee J. Cobb, Lee J. Cobb, the the police lieutenant. He, you know, he's he's an Oscar winner himself. Every performance is so natural, and it, and it brings across the human drama as well. And and what, like I said, I was trying to say, what gets me the most is Father Karras and his backstory with his mother. That's what brings home to me the terror of it, the fact that this demon, this this mythical demon, which we're all party to, we're all party to the history, we're all party to the the evidence that's that's um, whether you're religious or not it's part of our historical back history as a human being as humanity and like chris it scares it scares me it generally scares me because whether or not it's true there is certain evil out there people people can be evil there are other things in this world that can be equally as evil um, and i think we have yet to touch on the the complete nature of reality you know you know not wanting to get too much into it but you look at quantum mechanics and multiple dimensions and the fact that people are now in certain areas of the you know i don't want to sound like some sort of crazy tinfoil hat person here you might sound like that, but I think the, the the nature of our physical reality is so much different than we actually think it is. The spiritual realm is probably there, but it's not what religion tells us that it, it is. And it's scary. And that you know there are these things that you touch on that there are there are things about this world that we do not know about. And this film really taps into that. I think really taps into that, whether you're religious or not. It's a fantastic movie. The the special effects. I wouldn't say they're cheesy now. They they stand up very very well. Um and. I think for a newcomer, I think coming to see this again, and we are spoiled, unfortunately, these days with CGI and it's watered down our, you know, we, we are less scared normally now, but I think this film is so realistic that it will never not scare. I think, I think that's the ultimate thing. I would not want to show this to my kids. I would, I, you know, I, I saw it when I was 21 and, you know, it scared me then. So yeah, it's a, it's a very, very affecting movie and well-deserved to be number one, especially in this. John, anything to add yourself? John yeah, had it lower on. No, the thing is, I must have seen this around about the same time of the release, um, back in 96, 97, 98. It was going from 86 to 92, because it was on video in the UK openly from 81 onwards, and then it was banned in 86 by Warner Brothers themselves, I think, after pressure from the church and various other people. they, they It was never actually banned officially in the UK. It was the church, it was the bit Warner, like they did with Clockwork Orange, released, uh, banned the film themselves. They released, they restricted it from, from viewing. I, like I say, I went to see this as a student in 97 uh, in the local film theatre. It didn't scare me as much as the legend that had been built up. I respect it and it is the archetype for every, for every single film that's come after it that deals with exactly the same subject. And some have tried to add to it and some have taken away from it. It's very well made by by really good by really good people, but it didn't it didn't scare me as much as uh, Exorcist Three. I haven't revisited it since. I didn't feel I needed to. Well, uh, to be to be fair, just to jump in quickly, and I'll be very, very right. quick. Um, and just touching on John's uh, um, opinion there about it not not scaring, you know. I, I kind of agree with you because I will re-watch The Exorcist and I will I listened to your John Carpenter pod uh, um, about 18 months, 12 months ago and I rewatched Prince of Darkness and that scares me more now yeah. than uh, than The Exorcist does. And I don't know why that is because it's it's far cheesier, It's it, you know, but it still gets me more than The Exorcist does. I don't know whether it's because I've seen The Exorcist more times than I've seen The Prince of Darkness, but... For me, they shouldn't be equal, but they are. I mean, that's not diminishing the excess, but Prince of Darkness really just, I don't know. I, I get more creeped out by films 
than outright shocks if you see what my meaning is for that you know it, it doesn't have to be a horror film to make me come out thinking i wish i would never see that film again it's so it creeped me out so much a little fact i saw the exorcist on a copy vhs before it was re-released so i saw it when it was still not available yeah. where well, it was such a bad copy it sounded like they're in a goldfish bowl nice. so it did take away from some of the drama um so it was nice to see in i think the 98 on a you know cinema screen 25 year release when it was well that's when they added the spider scene isn't it that was that that was the yeah. release on the cinema which i think isn't a particularly great scene i'll be honest although you yeah know, i was... agree i think I think the the original version is probably the better version. It's probably the better version, yeah. I agree. I uh, I went to an outside screening of this in Richmond about five years ago, uh, and my wife had never seen it, and so we went there with a few friends, and uh, you know, on a huge outdoor screen. And um, despite the sound not being perfect out there because of the acoustics of being outside, she was really impressed by it. She really enjoyed it. You know, I think she was prepared for it to. She doesn't really like old films, anything older than sort of 1980. She doesn't really get enjoy too much but she was really impressed and she said it still scared her she still thought it was really powerful today so i think that someone can come to this film still today and be shocked by it in my opinion but i guess it's not absolutely perfect. yeah newcomers i think it's 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 perfect the newcomer i mean remember this is this is 1973 it's 93. It's an old yeah. film. I think, unfortunately, it's become an archetype. It is kind of like a template for a lot of films that came after it. Sometimes it's almost a it's a dilution of um, other films being on top of it. Not least of all, Repossessed, starring Leslie Nielsen and Linda Blair. Oh, I like Repossessed. That was funny. Well, so our recommendation is to check out the original, our number one movie, The Exorcist, which is available on iPlayer at the moment. Everybody can go check it out. Probably, but there's also probably the uh, Mark Commode documentary that go, runs along with it at the same time. If you oh, want, that's really yes, because Mark Commode being a tremendous fan of The Exorcist and um, meeting William Blatty and uh, William Friedkin as well. I'm gonna run down our top five again. At number five, we have The Exorcist three. At number four, we have Sinister. At number three, we have The Evil Dead two. At number two, we have The Conjuring. And our number one. Demon Possession movie is The Exorcist. Play the sting! So that, that's our top five for this week. I'm going to quickly go uh, round everybody just briefly. Uh, movies from your list that didn't make it uh, as your honourable mentions. Chris, what didn't make it? What should people check out in this other than our top five? I can't quite remember how to put on my yeah, list. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give you one. I know, I know one. Event Horizon was on there. Event yeah. Horizon was on your list. Which I, I think is a fantastic horror film. I talk about Haunted House horror films, right? This one takes place in space. It's got all the elements that keep a Haunted House feature fun, except that it's in space. And it's very scary parts and quite creepy and quite gory and I just think it's a good scary movie. If you like sci-fi horror mixed together, great combo. I agree. I had it number six. I like Invent Horizon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one that was on there which I didn't mention was Hellraiser. I don't think yeah. the Hellraiser series is uh, is that great as a series of, of movies on their own but I think the concept of Hellraiser is almost better than the films uh, and Pinhead and Cenobites and all that is great fun and if you want to just watch some weird body horror-y kind of, kind of creepy kind of makes you need to have a shower once you finish watching them kind of kind of 80s uh, body horror type stuff uh, you can't go wrong with the Hellraiser series and I think where else better to start with number one because they sort of go downhill consistently after that even though one's not that great but I think it's fun that's that's one of the other movies that I haven't seen and I do need to check oh. out Hellraiser <laughs> yes I know I haven't seen Pinhead I, I, it freaked me out as a kid I, I went to the video show Pinhead looks scary and I never watched he is, he is pretty scary <laughs> and he, he acts it pretty well as well um, yeah. Bradley. he's the best centibite they, they, they all sort of as, as with the films, the Cenobites start to go downhill as, as the films go on. Uh, yeah, I've just, I've just looked at my list. Those are the only two that we didn't say. They were. They were. Uh, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... yeah. I, no, number five is Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter. I would probably suggest um, go back in and watch and that was, that was uh, that was number five on my list and on Tony's list. So, so, Carpen the Carpenter pod, go, go. I think you'd probably get the better discussion uh, the of that. The Carpenter pod is uh, one that Chris House always I was on. And I, I want to yeah. say that it also made my list for John Carpenter. So I it did not hate it very much as a film. I personally think that when it comes to demonic 
like horror. It doesn't quite meet the mark compared to the other films I said, but it's a great film. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, it's a good film. One of his I think Christine. I think Christine would actually work better. Yeah, Christine. Christian is the demonic car. Yeah, it's a good film. That's a good film as well. Um, so that was number five. Prince of Darkness. Number four for me was Insidious. Again, I will refer you back to the Haunted House part, which is probably one of the earliest ones. It was our podcast. Yeah, very early on. Very early on, and I think that was one of my honourable mentions. Or it was one of those ones that I couldn't get in, or I chose the light out of it. I don't know. I can't remember. Number three on my list here. So only The Exorcist and Evil Dead got onto the top two here, but number three is one you should all watch. And I don't know whether you've watched it. Is the South Korean horror The Wailing? Please watch it. It's an amazing film, and you will regret it if you don't watch it. It's two and a half hours or two uh, of the best mashup of a thriller and a uh, a spectral ghost, a demon, and a uh, every horror genre you want in there. It's all mashed up in two and a half hours, and it's absolutely fantastic. If I had the most guts, I'd put it above The Exorcist. Honestly, it's been it's won like sixty major awards across the uh, the the globe when it, the years it came out, and uh, it's now being looked at as one of the the, the finest horror movies ever made. From and I will let you know that it's on Prime Video, downloaded, and I didn't get round to it, Matt. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll watch it. Um, I'd, I'd also recommend Jew uh, on the Grudge, the original Japanese film from 1998, not the crappy US remake, and also Norai the Curse, which is a, a, a difficult film to find, but we, I discovered it again, uh, and it's free, available to watch on um, the internet archive. If you if you type in Norai N O R O I the Curse, um, it will uh, it will pop up on the uh, internet archive, and it's free in the public domain to watch and stream, uh, and it's absolutely flipping terrifying. Uh, Tony, I think there's only one film there that um, was made your list that nobody's mentioned. Yeah, I'm number five for me was Prince Darkness. Number four was Paranormal Activity. A film I can't watch. <laughs> Chris doesn't I can't like watch, that. I really? Don't get it. it. I'm with Chris. Don't get it. <laughs> I got halfway through it and I really cannot watch it. That if you want existential dread, that's the one that gets me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like it's it's very rough around the edges, and obviously it was made for like five thousand dollars or something like that in the director's house, and now he's big. Yeah. Colossally, colossally mind-blowingly rich off it. Uh, kudos to him. But I think it's it's slightly naff acting, and that that makes you believe it more. That it, yeah, know, I mean, it feels real. It feels, it feels real. And I think I actually think it's a better found footage horror film than the Blair Witch Project by by a long way. We could also have put the Blair Witch Project in here as well because there is there is some sort of possession in that, especially hereditary. Hereditary is all Phil's favourite film. John, 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 John has that on his list, so that'll be the one that John can mention now. Because I'm not going to mention it. Um, well, um, no, I mean it, it, it's it's yet another uh, well well done, very very. Um, it's a Marmite film. You either like it or you don't. Um, but it's very well made, very well plotted. It has all the all the hallmarks, and it it's, and it tells the story differently. That's why uh, one of the reasons why the ex- Exorcist three for me over the Exorcist. It, it's not just a it's not just a young girl in a tied to a bed with priests. It came, it, it feels like it's completely off the radar from anything like that. Um, having said that, I have two two other films. One you can watch with your partner and not have them be freaked too freaked out. Practical Magic, ju- ju- just as something light and uh, uh, Midnight Margaritas with the witches. And also one I saw today was Studio 666. It is exactly what you think it is. It's the Foo Fighters in a cheesy horror film. Sam Raimi, again, dragged me to hell. Not not quite as possessed as The Evil Dead, but I tell you what, it's an absolute blinder of a film. The Witch, uh, um, that was out a couple of years ago, that's very, very good. Um, uh, Fallen with uh, uh, that made that made my list. Don't, that was going to be jump, my one. And that, Go you can it. jump. You can jump in there, Paul. That's it. I won't yes. say anymore. Uh, Fallen, Fallen with Denzel Washington. I I went to see it in my. I thought it was great. Um, I love the use of a Rolling Stones song. Um, and uh, best thing about the film. Uh, I I liked it. I liked the, good, uh, the film. I liked it that the demon kept jumping between people and people. And um, yeah, I liked the ending. Um, yeah. which which <laughs> with. <laughs> Without spoiling it, it was. Literally, I rolled my eyes when I saw that. I like the end. On that basis, it could possess anything. Yeah. <laughs> Cockroach, microbe. Yeah. I, I liked it. So, um, but yeah, 
Um, so that that is our our uh, top five for this week. I go. I'm going to just mention one more one more last go one. On, Sorry, I'll be. Sorry. Did anyone watch session session nine? Okay, it doesn't immediately jump out as a uh, a possession demonic possession film, but it comes across more as a, a, a the Shining um, equivalent type film, um, and it is very much so. But right at the end, there's a massive, massive, massive twist. And uh, I think it's well worth watching Session 9. Uh, it's been on my list for a while, that game, this one, that um, I tried to... I watched a lot for this. Um, the only other movie that I had on my list that nobody put down, I had Rosemary's Baby there. I know everybody else didn't like it. Um, I, I I thought it worked really well. I had Rosemary's Baby there. Um, it was it was a movie, an old movie that I'd known about for years, never watched. And it was a, a tale of a lady being abused. I know that um, it possibly doesn't work with today's audience, but um, for me, I thought it did. That was the only other movie that I had um, on my list. So um, thank you very much, everybody. Um, cheers for joining us. Chris, thank you for being a guest on this week once again. Thank you. No worries. Enjoyed it. Uh, look forward nice. to the next one. Nice one. Um, Tony, cheers. Review, baby. Groovy. Uh, Matt, thank you very much. As always, pleasure. Indeed. And John, where's everybody got to find us? Find us all on the socials. You'll find us at Five on Film Podcast. Um, or you'll find oh, you can send us a message at five on film podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram, threads, Twitter still. You can, uh, if we're there, you can find us at Five on Film. Um, we're also available on most podcast providers as as we find them. I will stick I, I, I That's been Five on Film this week. See you soon. All views expressed in this podcast are that of the individual and do not represent the views of any entity whatsoever which they have been or will be affiliated with in the future.